0: You will get your Bibles and turn to First Corinthians, Chapter Seven. First Corinthians, Chapter Seven. Lord, give us Christian homes. You found your place to so stand in honor of reading God's word. Now concerning the thing about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. But because of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife. Each woman is to have her own husband. The husband must fulfill the duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise also the husband does not have the authority over his own body, but the wife does. Stop depriving one another, except by agreement for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But this I say, by the way of concession, not of command, yet I wish that all men were, even as myself am, however, each man has his own gift from God. One in this manner and another in that. Father, we ask it; you'd bless this word today, Father. God, do not let it to be my words. But let us hear your words, Father. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. That's an appropriate song. for this message is... Let us have Christian homes. In Paul's day, especially in Corinth, there were all kinds of problems. Paul, an apostle, came to Corinth and he started a church there. They probably called it the city before he came there, Sin City. Everything goes in Corinth. It was in a Greek culture, and most likely a, a lot of culture, as we've seen last week in his teachings of immorality, advising the Corinthian believers to flee from it, there was marital trouble reflected in the morally corrupt society in which the they lived, which they had not fully separated their lives from their society tolerated fornication it tolerated adultery it tolerated homosexuality it tolerated polygamy and concubinage remember the intimacy between a woman and a man only in marriage, and it was one man and one woman. The society is so corrupt and sinning against the God-ordained way for marriage. The sexual sins of that day were corrupt and destructive, and it is that way today. Not just here in the United States, not here just in the state of Louisiana, not here just in Washington Parish, but here in Monroe and in West Monroe and in Stirlington and in the surrounding little towns about us. This corruption runs wild. Lord, give us Christian homes. God, the creator, he knows what's right. And he wants us to live right with the right mindset, with the right thinking, to live a holy life. For it is the best way. We must take instructions from our creator. He knows more than we can ever imagine. He made us. Listen, sexual sin has nothing to do with love. Nothing. It has everything to do with lust. The lust of life, the pride of life, and it it comes from the Father. Excuse me, it comes not from God the Father, but from the world. Listen. Our world is in an epidemic of sexual sin. And I will tell you that because everybody does it and makes no and others don't make no deal of it. It's sick. It has become so common for for people to live together Listen to me. That is not right in the eyes of God. God cannot bless by people living in sin. And it's not his fault. It's the fault of the ones who's living out of his will. It is wrong. It's perverted. God made marriage for a glorious celebration between a woman and a man in order to procreate. Intimacy was not made for any outside marriage relationship. It is for a couple who fall in love, who get married, and the two become one flesh. Today, in our so-called free world, mankind thinks it's okay to shack up, to, to live together, and to live in lust. They're wrong. God calls it fornication. You, you will not find this on any popular opinion poll. I don't care. It is time for even the church to wake up. Right is right. And wrong is wrong. There are those who get married because it's good for the marriage. What is good for a marriage? It is to have God over the marriage. There's, there's, I've heard of people getting married because of business transaction. It'd be good for them to be married because they work together, because it would make sense in the business world. Well, that's pathetic. We get married because we love someone. Because God has created a love in our heart for someone else that we want to spend the rest of our lives with. And God must be over the marriage. He must be over the marriage. Listen, this fleshly love that we can have, it can't stand the storms. It will run, it it wants to flee, and go look for something better. But when, when God is over the marriage... When the agape love of God is flowing through the husband and flowing through the wife. And they can love one another with this agape love that God so broadly spreads in our hearts, Romans 5.5. 5, and then that is a love that binds. That can hold out through the storms. When God created man, back in Genesis one twenty-seven, and He explained in Genesis two eighteen, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And in chapter two, verse twenty-two, it says, "The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which." He had taken from the man and brought her to the man. Verse 24, he says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined together with his wife, and they shall become one flesh. When intimacy is done God's way, it is so much more special. There, There is a union of love. It, it has so much meaning. It is so real. It is not an experience here and gone, but a union of the two becoming one. The gift is in a godly marriage. And God is one with you. So in our text... Verse 1. Paul says that singleness is good. He says, Now concerning the things about which he wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. And it's singleness. Paul, Paul here is saying singleness is good, but not that it is the only good condition, but as long as you're a single person and abstinent from sexual relationships, Paul is saying you do not have to be married. Paul is saying you. Uh, it is good as long as you are not tempted. He he did not say it would make you a more spiritual person, that you would be more acceptable to God by being single. He just said it's good. And then we get to verse 2, and he talks about the temptations in singleness. He says, because of immorality... Each man is to have his own wife and each woman is to have her own husband. Paul is indicating the, the tempting sin of fornication. It's dangerous. For those who are single, the desire can be very strong and, and when unfulfilled, in the tempta- excuse me, in the temptation does not stand alone, but the worldly acceptance joins in saying, everybody does it. Everybody. Does that make it okay? If everybody ran out here and jumped off a cliff, would that make it okay? No. It wouldn't. Just because society does it, doesn't mean that everybody should jump on a board and do it. It's crazy. In the drug world, just changing, chasing a rabbit here for a second, in the drug world, there's drugs that can destroy your mind from one use. For one use, you can become addicted to it, just like that, and you totally dependent upon. It. And stuff that's made from battery acid and all kinds of crazy chemicals that they put together and put in their veins. Here, let me shoot up with some Drano. Do you know what Drano was made for? It wasn't to put it in your veins. But because everybody's doing it and it is the thing to do, many people fall into it. And I'm pretty sure every one of you in here would agree to that. But listen to me. Sexual sin is just as bad. It's destructive. Again, marriage is for two to become one flesh. And for procreation. It would embarrass her, but I would have Hannah to stand and show you what procreation is all about. (laughs) Because she's pregnant. Marriage is a union. God created marriage to be that of love that is honorable. For mankind to enjoy their spouse And for the union to be highly viewed as a gift from God. It is not something ugly. The world made it ugly. We're taking it out of the context that it should be. God has a high view and that aligns with the church. Marriage is like Christ and the church. Turn with me if you will over to Ephesians. chapter 5 beginning with verse 22 and this is about marriage wives be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is the head of the church he himself being the savior of the body but As the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, and that he might present to himself the church in all of her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church. Because we are members of his body. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ in the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. It's God-ordained. It's beautiful. In our text, the purpose here is to point to the temptation of sexual sin during singleness and to acknowledge that intimacy is far in the bonds of marriage only. God called for Adam and Eve to be fruitful. And to multiply. Marriage is also for pleasure. Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. It says. Verse 18 tells us in that verse. It says rejoice. In the wife of your youth. And it says. Be exhilarated. Always in her love. It's to enjoy the love. With one another. Another. And then we get to our uh back to our text in verses three through five in chapter seven of First Corinthians. And it says the husband must fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. And the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, also, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Stop depriving one another, except by an agreement for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and to come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. That Satan will not tempt you for lack of control. Abstinence of intimacy in marriage is wrong. It's wrong. It should be an obvious truth in the Corinthian church. Undoubtedly, there was a, an erroneous belief in the spiritual super, superiority of total sexual abstinence. No, God created it for marriage. Married believers are not to deprive their spouse. The apostle made no exceptions to the instruction. He said the husband fulfilled his duty to his wife and likewise also the wife to her husband. God hold all marriage to be sacred. And he holds the intimacy between the husband and wife, not only sacred, but proper and even that they are obligated to one another. Paul makes it clear that physical relations within the marriage are simply a privilege and a pleasure and a responsibility. Verse 4. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. God honors this expression of intimacy uh, and physical love relation within the marriage. In fact, if a spouse, a husband or a wife, fails to submit to the spouse, it brings dishonor to the marriage. And to God. It is far more than a physical act. God created it to be an expression of love. On the deepest human level. And to be beautiful. And a powerful bond between the husband and the wife. God intends the marriage to be permanent. And to love expression, to be permanent. A spouse are not to be deprived. Therefore, in verse 5, it says, stop depriving one another. The only exception, and there is an exception, is accept by agreement for a time, so that you may devote yourself in a time of prayer. It is good for a married couple not only to love and desire one another, but to spend time in relation to God who is over the marriage. God may give us a strong burden about someone, maybe about a ministry, a burden that requires our attention and concentrated prayer. Or it may, may be a sin in our life that has caused us to fall and, and we need time with God. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be totally devoted with, with, and, and draw yourselves for a time of Prayer. It is vital. It is vital that, that to stay in tune with God. We continually need God over our marriage and sin will corrupt that. In order to keep our focus in living for Him. You know, I've heard things, you know, you 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 share gifts at anniversaries, and you share your love in special different ways, and and it's to keep the fires burning. God keeps the fires burning for eternity. Only God can do that. Roses that you get your wife, they'll fade, they'll die. And a cologne, maybe that you get your husband, it'll get empty and he'll stink. It's temporary stuff. Shouldn't our desire to have a love that lasts forever? There are times in our life that when the storms come, Life, storms of life come upon all of us strongly and we need to seek God through fervent prayer. Spouses, husbands and wives need to pray and seek God more than anything. However, Paul warns when the urgent need are passed, the normal marital relations are to resume. Immediately. Husband's wife then are to come together again. And it is important to have the coming back together so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Know that abstinence can be a tool of Satan. Then Paul goes back to talking about a gift of singleness in verse 6 and 7. He said, But this I say by the way of concession, not a command, yet I wish that all men were even as myself, Paul was single. However, each man has his own gift from God, and one in manner of this and the other in that. Paul says, basically, I have to admit by saying this, don't take it as a command, but I wish men were like me. However, I realize that I have a gift and not all men can be like me. So don't. When it comes to ministry, he has, Paul has, what he likes about it is he is an apostle and when it comes to the ministry, he's totally sold out with God and he, he, He's able to go and do as God calls him and he doesn't have the responsibility of a family. However, he didn't expect all men to be single. If a man or woman has the gift of singleness, then he or she can live in contentment and joy in serving God. But if you're single and all you're wanting is is a mate, and that's all that's on your mind, and it's not good. Obviously, that singleness has its benefits, but so does marriage. has his has its great benefits of having children and raising them, and then. Seeing the family grow and multiply just as God ordained it to be. Christian love has its great advantages as well. Turn your Bibles to Matthew. Matthew 19. And you wait to verse 12. Oh, excuse me, verse 5. Let's go forward. Verse 4. And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, And the two shall become one flesh. So that no longer two, but one flesh, what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. They said to him, why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives, but that from the beginning... It has not been this way. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if the relationship of the man with his his wife is like this, it is better not to marry. But Jesus said to them, not all men can accept this statement, but only those who it has been given for there are eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb and there are eunuchs who have made eunuchs by men who were made eunuchs by men and there are also eunuchs made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven he is who he who is able to accept this let him accept it accept it so That text tells us that Jesus kind of lines up with Paul. If you have that gift. If you can stay single and not be tempted. And therefore do so and give God all the glory. Our purpose should be to discover the gifts that God has given us. To use those gifts faithfully and joyfully in his service the bottom line is that our life whether married or single is to bring god the glory he blesses us in different ways some with singleness and some with marriage that the sin of the world the sin of mankind takes something that is that's beautiful that god created for a purpose for marriage and they treat it like trash. That's it. They, 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 they take something that God made and treat it like trash. That's living in fornication. That's having adultery. That's being homosexual. It's treated like trash. This is something God made that was beautiful. In five years as a detective working sex crimes, it was absolutely disgusting. Small children whose lives were ruined. Because of treating it like trash. Young girls and young boys would never understand the beauty of it because someone threw trash on them. Without God's help. And folks, you probably know someone that's living together and they're not married. It's wrong. I don't care how sweet, how kind they are. It's wrong. It's wrong in the sight of God. I do pre-marriage counseling. And I've had several couples that came and they wanted and it seems like it's never been someone from the church. It's probably it's been probably someone in the church's friends or something like that, or maybe it was through the police department or something along those lines. And they came and they were living together and they wanted to get married. And I said, "But do you understand that I'm a pastor? I, I'm a, I give the only kind of weddings I do is Christian marriages." And they said, "Yeah." understand that. And I said, "Well, if you're living together, don't you know that you're living in sin?" And, and most of the time they would agree. Someone would lie and say that that's the only thing they did to live together. There wasn't no, anything else going on. And I said, Well, I'll tell you what, your wedding's off for six months or stuff. So. Stop living together. Repent. Repent of your sin. And I'd get a call a couple of days later saying, look, up, uh, we decided that we'd go another route. I did have one one time, that it was they were pretty young. And when I got to that question, why do you want a Christian? waiting when you're living in sin. And the girl started crying. She says, cause I'm tired of living in sin. I married that couple. There's a right answer. Do you realize that anything out of wedding is out of marriage is trash? It's wrong. It's only right when it's contained in the boundaries of a husband and a wife in a loving relationship. Hebrews 13, verse 4. Marriage is to be held in honor among all. And the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. God is serious. You can make fun of it. You can make light of it. But God is serious about sexual purity and men and women and played around with illicit lifestyles. And, and maybe right in the eyes of the people of the world, but in the eyes of God, it's always sin. And they will be judged. Illicit lifestyles is, is running rapid in our world. Our world, can you, do you listen to the news? Do you listen to things that, uh, I, I hate listening to the news, by the way. I, I, sometimes I just want to be ignorant. It's about who you aden- identify yourself as. They teach in elementary children in some schools that what well they ask them, uh, apart from their parents, what do you identify yourself as? And if, if, if they say they're a kitten, well, they get to bring a litter box to school. How ridiculous is that? When is the church going to wake up and be bold for Jesus Christ and preach the gospel? Because if we don't wake up, folks, if we don't get on our knees and pray and seek God and humble ourselves, this world keeps going down the cesspool. Who do you think is going to do it if the church ain't going to do it? We need to get on fire for God and have a heart of God in us. There's people out there that's living depraved lifestyles. Go to Romans 1. Read chapter 1. And it says there'll come a time that God will turn them over to their depravity. within marriage intimacy is beautiful and fulfilling and creative. Outside of marriage it's ugly, it's destructive, and it's damaging. Ephesians 5.3 says, But do not let immorality or any impurity or greed even be named among you as it is proper for the saints. As it's proper for Christians. Beloved is a called child of God. Were to forsake all sin by repentance. Name it and call it what it is—that it is sin against God. That there's no question mark. It's called sexual sin. It's fornication is sin! Exclamation mark. Not a question mark. No excuse will do. Adultery is sin, exclamation mark. There's no questions about it. Homosexuality is a sin, exclamation mark. All sexual relation outside of marriage is sin, exclamation mark. But in the boundaries of marriage, in the loving relationship between a husband and a wife, enjoy. Enjoy. It's a gift of God. Know that sin is sin. And the wages of sin is death eternal. Maybe there's someone here this morning that has lived in that lifestyle and you've never repented. You you just never got it straight with God. And I'm so thankful for a long-suffering God. A God that sent His only begotten Son to die on no cross for our sins so that we can come to Him and call sin, sin to Him and say, Father, I know I have sinned against You and against You only. And I call out to you to ask you to forgive me of my wretched sins. And his word says he is faithful to cleanse you from all iniquity. All of it. Every bit of it. He can cleanse you. I heard of a young lady that was raped. And she walked around all the time doing this. And she went to church one night. And she came forward and she was steadily doing this. And she prayed and asked Jesus Christ into her heart and to cleanse her. And to save her. And she never did this anymore. She kept trying to get that old memory out of her mind. She would just try to clean herself all the time. and She couldn't, she couldn't do it in her own strength. But when she gave her life to Jesus. Folks, this is the world we live in. It was the world that Paul lived in. You know, I I looked over this text, looked over this text and said, Lord, you're giving me something pretty hard to preach. I have to stand up in front of the church and talk about sexual sin. But it's needed. It's needed. People... Some people, it's just like a drug addiction. When I brought the suspects in, when I worked those crimes, that's exactly what I told them. I would say, you know, before an alcoholic can ever get help, he has to admit that he's got a problem. And sir, you have a sex problem, and before you could ever get any help, you gotta admit it. I arrested a, a doctor, an MD, that had that problem, and guess what he did? He worked with drug abuse people, and he told them the first thing they have to do. And I said, you tell them that, don't you? He said, yeah, I do. I said, well, I'm telling you that. you got a problem, and you know what it is. And he confessed. Be bold in your faith. Be strong in your walk with Jesus. Don't think the things of the world are cute. Call sin, sin. And I invite you today to come to what I last week called prayer benches, where you can, God will hear you right where you're at. You don't have to stand during the invitation time, you can just bow and start praying. Pray for maybe sins in your life, pray for sins in your friends family life who pray for the sins of this world the church we ought to pray father i come to you and i thank you so much god for your goodness and your mercy god for the precious gift that you give us lord uh and many gifts of all kinds lord that you open the the windows of heaven and just pour them out to us all the time, God. And so many times we take them for granted. God, I just pray, Lord, that you'd bless the words spoken here today to our hearts, to our understanding. That through it all, Lord, that we'd give you the glory. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Number one eighty-two.